Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the How to Bet podcast series uh, with Bristnet.com and Twinspires.com. Taking a look at the cross-country pick four today, uh, or we're taking a look today. The pick four is tomorrow, Saturday, at Del Mar and Saratoga Pacific Classic, anchoring the cross-country pick four million dollar race, one of the premier events for the older male uh, division, and another mile and a quarter race, the Alabama Stakes, one of two grade one races, a part of the cross-country pick four, and the other two races are both graded stakes on the turf. So good variety, uh, good uh, balance of uh, handicapping styles, depending on the fields, got some small fields, got an obvious favorite, some might want a single, others might want to oppose. Uh, so to me, a, a lot of different looks, a lot of ways you can go in this pick four. And to me, uh, by far, the most interesting of the cross-country pick fours we've had this year. So kudos to the top summer meets for making it happen. And kudos to our handicapper, Scott Shapiro, for making this appearance happen. He's in the thick of his busy season. Big races tomorrow. Indiana Grand never stops. But Scott, you're here with us now. How are you? Doing well, Ed. Looking forward to the big day. Grinding through the summer, hoping to have a little more luck than I've had through uh, much of the Del Mar meet, but uh, putting in the grind and excited to uh, make the trek up tomorrow, or trek down, actually. Yeah, all right. Yeah, should uh, be a interesting day of racing, hopefully a great day, uh, both on the track and for our wallets. Uh, you'll be there, Melanie Martinez uh, will be there shooting, uh, so we'll have plenty of good content on the blogs and social media uh, between the two of you and some others there as well as preparations for the Breeders' Cup begin. And our preparations to hit this pick four uh, really began, I guess, Tuesday night when they drew the Pacific Classic. And in earnest, is the PPs trickled in for the other races. But I know we usually have you do the, the big pick four uh, on the weekends at Del Mar, but uh, this one was pretty hard to resist, not asking you to dive into. And what was your first impression on the sequence after you looked at the four races? Like you said, Ed, I thought it was more intriguing than most of the uh, cross-country and the you know gimmick pick fours that we get from uh, other tracks, mainly because I did not – have much interest in, in, in using the heavy favorite or favorites in the sequence. If there are a couple, usually I find them to be kind of chalky looking sequences that, that are fun and they're great to offer, but not ones for people that really want to have a shot at a big hit. Um, whether that ends up being the case is another story, but just ones that don't look great. But this, this one to me is interesting. I think, there are a couple ways to attack it with a small to medium-sized budget and give yourself a chance to have a pretty a pretty good payday in the end. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I have a $72 ticket mapped out, which uh, we'll get to the particulars of that as, as we talk through it. And uh, for the, the amount spent, um, pleasantly surprised at some of the looks that it gives you usually in that budget. Um, I'm the type who will look to single and then spread really deep in other legs. This is definitely more of a caveman approach, but I think it covers some some potential uh, zigging where others will zag and, and vice versa. Uh, we'll, we'll work backwards, though. Uh, the headline of the weekend, certainly the Pacific Classic, 
uh, we had you do a fair odds line on the race, which uh, I think is a good exercise for most races. But I especially think uh, with Arrogate in this race, it, it's a good one uh, just because it really forces you to, you plural, everyone out there, think about what his chances are of, of winning based on what we saw last out. Uh, you have him at seven to five. I have him at four to five. Uh, which translates to neither one of us think he's a lock. I have him a little more likely winner than you, but given I think he'll be two to five or one to two based on our lines, uh, you have to oppose, right? I think so, Ed. I think he is the most likely winner, you know, based on obviously if he runs his best race, he wins going away. However, there are too many question marks surrounding Arrogate at this point for me to not take a shot against that what we're thinking is like you said one to two or three to five you have the question on whether he likes this surface not only did he run obviously extremely poorly in a puzzling effort in the san diego where he barely picked up his feet at one to 20 but if you go back to august 4th before he became the arrogate we all know he came off two huge efforts at santa anita to break his maiden and then in his conditional second race to run up, you know, he got the job done on August 4th at Del Mar, but it was very, very workmanlike at one to, one to nine against a three-horse field against two horses that are he's head and shoulders above. Then he comes back and runs three monster races elsewhere. So that the fact that he, you know, we don't know if he liked this track, which is definitely a unique surface at this point. It's been deeper and, and slower. And then you have the question, is he the same horse? as he was after the, you know, race in Dubai. And I'm not really referring to a Dubai bounce, but perhaps he just isn't, you know, didn't come back the same horse. And, you know, I've heard murmurs that, you know, obviously he got good work reports for the most part, but there's been questions whether he is the same horse when he's working in the morning. He, his workout, you know, looked good in many ways um, that we saw, um, you know, on uh, online and on TV, um, if you were able to. But he did he had trouble switching leads, and he just doesn't appear to be as good as he was. Now, could he could he win this race? Absolutely, probably the most likely winner, as you've seen by my odds. But to me, it's the kind of situation where, as a horse player, you know, if you play every day and all the time, these are shots you have to take against the horse. They won't always work, but when they do, they will pay you handsomely. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. everything you said there. Um, you know, one thing I'll add, I, I mentioned this on Steve Bick and on the uh, HRN call-in show yesterday, um, and, and you sort of touched on it with Jason Beam on the on the Barn podcast. Uh, that He didn't just get beat in San Diego. Uh, he was never winning any race. Uh I mean, that wasn't good enough to win an allowance race. And, yeah, you could – I mean, he really would not have to like the track. Uh, but to me, Charlie Rose was there. Uh, Baffer gave no indication that this was only a prep. And uh, to me, all signs that day pointed to, okay, is he going to run a 124 Brisnet like he did in the Travers? Is he going to run a negative sheet number? Maybe not, but there were no, there was no indication from any corner, uh, even after the fact, in my mind, uh, that he was going to run a dud. And the fact is, he did. And to me, that definitely speaks to your point that maybe he's just not the horse he was, you know, Saratoga or Breeders' Cup, Pegasus, World Cup, et cetera. So. 
for me, uh, that bakes into the price. And if he's not that horse, then he has very little chance to win. And if you do draw a line through the San Diego, then, you know, you're back to one to five for this race because all those other races tower over this field and combine it all together. And that's how I got to four to five because um, I think there's a, a better than not chance that he is the horse he was or they wouldn't be running him. But again, it's, it's tough to ignore just how bad he was in the San Diego. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of those points. A couple other things to add. He is a horse that lacks early speed in, in his most recent races. He has had some gait issues, and that kind of plays against the way this track has played. Um, and the fact that they've discussed the fact that they're going to push him out of the gate, whereas I never heard that before. I always thought he kind of came out of the gate as he will and got himself into the race. Now, that could work wonderfully if he's sitting third or fourth and he's pushed into the race and he's motivated and whatnot. He could end up coming home and, and, and dusting the field, but that also could work against him. I, you know, the fact that they're putting him into the race um, more than letting himself get into the race. So there's a lot of questions. I have a ton of respect for the horse. Obviously the connections are, are, are top class. The only thing I would differ on is, um, I think they will would run in this race, even if they were if they had question marks of whether you know he was the same horse, because they've got to find out the question on whether he's going to be able to run you know in the Breeders' Cup Classic. So they might as well find that out now. You know, if he can't, if he doesn't like this surface, if it's you know two clunkers in a row, or even if he runs an okay third, you know, is it really worth it to keep running this this horse that's already earned seventeen million dollars? So. Like I said, extremely likely winner, you know, if everything goes right, but a horse that will be an underlay and that you just kind of have to take a small shot against, in my opinion, as an everyday horse player. Yeah, and uh, moving on from him, uh, that small shot comes in part uh, from the fact, uh, to me, uh, you know, we're looking at, uh, what is it, eight entered, I think seven will probably end up going. Um, but really, after Arrogate, uh, it's just, in, to my eye, collected, and the horse who beat him last out, Accelerate. And my approach is if I beat Arrogate, I'm not going to split hairs and get beat by Collected or Accelerate. Uh, I'm happy to – my opinion is basically I'll try to beat Arrogate, and there's two who can do it, so those are the ones I'll use. Um, but it sounds like from, or reads like from the stuff I've seen from you this weekend, uh, that you're more in Collected's camp than Accelerate's. I am in more in Collected's camp, that is true. Um, I just, uh, there's an article that was just uh, published on the Twin Spires blog that I wrote, uh, breaking down this, this sequence, and I put together two suggested tickets. One of them singles Collected, and one of them uses Collected and Accelerate. So, for the most part, I'm, I'm with you. I just, you know, decided to take a two-single approach to it instead of a caveman approach like it sounds like you went with your $72 ticket. I think that Collected has done so little wrong. I think he gets to jump on Accelerate, which I think is what Coronas and Sadler want from Accelerate, to stalk this time off of Collected based on Sadler's comments and his excitement of drawing outside that one. And I honestly just can't find anything wrong with Collected. You know, I mean, he has done, he has been unbelievable moving forward in three straight races at Santa Anita, mile, mile and an eighth, mile and a sixteenth. So he's got all those. Obviously, when you 
go to a mile and a quarter, that does become a bit of a concern. But I think it's a concern for any horse but arrogate uh, the mile and a quarter distance and maybe some, you know, horse like hard aces who could run all day but just isn't at this level. But I'm going to I'm gonna make collective the top pick because I think he gets the jump on the field. I think he's um, done so little wrong where Accelerate, I've always been, you know, thought this horse had a lot of talent, and I was extremely impressed with how the addition of Blinkers and his success over the Del Mar track translated into that dominating win at San Di- in the San Diego. I still have serious reservations about the mile and a quarter, since it seemed like Sadler had the same reservations, considering that his goal this year was the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, not the Breeders' Cup Classic. So, to me, Accelerate probably on collected, you know, in the same type form as collected. I just think collected has a little better shot to get the mile and a quarter, especially if he's going to get the jump on accelerate. So I lean that way. Yeah, I definitely lean that way. Uh, and what I'll point out um, that you didn't is accelerate is picking up uh, seven pounds. Uh, that is not to suggest that the weight is what got uh, arrogate beat uh, last out. Certainly not. Uh, but you know, it's, picking up some weight to uh, an impost that uh, has potentially dulled him uh, in other races. Uh, He snapped a pretty long losing streak where it looked like he was the type that didn't want to win in the the San Diego. So that's interesting to me, picking up the seven. Uh, The stalking trip, I don't mind, just because it sounds pretty similar to what uh, Sadler and Espinosa have used to their advantage with Stellar Wind against some other uh, Baffert speedballs in the, the mare division. So that's sort of an interesting angle that they'll be chasing collected the same way Stellar Wind has, has gone after some of those older females. Uh, and then on, on the breeding side, I mean, looking at Lucky out of an awesome again mare, you you would think a mile and a quarter wouldn't be an issue, but um, based on, on the comments you referenced, I certainly understand the trepidation in collected by City Zip. Uh, out of a Johannesburg mare. So, uh, you know, to me, that that's sort of the, the dirt mile pedigree. And we ultimately may see him in that race, depending on what Arrogate does and, and what some of these other horses do in the, the summer. But, uh, you know, it, 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 racing so fascinating because, you know, four weeks ago we were looking at uh, Arrogate coming into this, you know, potentially 1 to 20 again, uh, bridge jumping, et cetera. Uh, all that's off the table, and, you know, he was a 6-5 to five favorite in the Breeders' Cup Classic months out, and now all of a sudden we're looking at, you know, Gunrunner as a, a potential put over in that race and some other threats. So uh, we're going to learn a lot from this race, and I'm really looking forward to it. Likewise, Ed, I think it's uh, actually added a ton of intrigue to a race that would have been that we thought at one point was going to be kind of an exhibition. Um, and, and that may, and I always prefer the, the, the race, the competitive race to the exhibitions that we've seen so often in Southern California with California Chrome a little bit. And of course with Beholder and Songbird several times over the past couple of years. So I'm looking forward to it. No disrespect for Arrogate. It's, it's a pure decision based on odds. He, he has just as good a chance, if not better than anyone. And the mile and a quarter is key and, and the weight break that Accelerate got also is a very good point you made. I just think Arrogate is facing two legitimate Colts and has to run a big race to win. He could, he should definitely improve off of that effort in San Diego, which was most likely an outlier. But 
you know, how much can he improve off such a poor effort? And it's going to take a good effort, you know, to beat these horses. Sure, at a mile and an eighth, mile and a sixteenth, I might be that much more confident and collected and accelerate. But, you know, the way the track has played for the most part this meet, maybe that the track can help carry them. Even if Arrogate brings his, you know, B game, maybe one of these two can, can outlast them. Yeah, and there's there's number of power there for both of them. Uh, last question on the Pacific Classic. Uh, if you were in a contest and, and needed a capper, who are you stabbing with? Ooh. Um, like you, I saw this race as anybody that looked at my fair line odds as a, as a three horse race. And in fact, I didn't make anybody else below 40 to one. If it's a win play show contest, I certainly would use hard aces who probably would be the most popular horse, but I, I don't even know if I can give a real answer to that question because if it's a win place contest. I think you've got to, and it's the last race or one of the last two races. I think you have to approach the the whole uh contest with the idea that you're not going to be able to make up a lot of ground in this race so plan accordingly but maybe you know you can make yeah i mean it's a real stretch at least sorry eric to me has connections that move horses forward over their career and i'm kind of surprised he's in this race but turf to dirt and maybe but but yeah um, i think he's the one probably coming out is he okay? I didn't see that, and that's a good decision by Keith DeSormo. So, um, I just, I mean, to me, Royal Albert Hall, I put it 99 to one. I think he's legitimately 999 to one. Um, I think Don Worth is is 100 to one or higher. I mean, he couldn't come within sniffing distance of Accelerate, even when Arrogate didn't didn't run his race. And Curlin Road to me is is is, he, is probably 500 to one. So. To, to give you a capper, I mean, it'll be Stab City like it always is in those contests, but I would plan on using Collected or Accelerate and, and, and doing what it takes to get into a position to not need a capper, to be honest, Ed. Right, yeah, so you're if you're looking with three or four races left, knowing you, you'd need one, you'd be you'd be reaching a lot earlier than the, the Classic. I, I understand. And it makes sense. Uh, well, uh, moving on or uh, moving forward or not moving back, I don't know how to look at it, but uh, the, the seventh race, uh, graded stakes double at Del Mar, uh, and part of that pick four uh, with the Alabama at Saratoga's, the Del Mar Handicap. Uh, and this is uh, a race I'm, I'm willing to be thin in. I'm, I'm spread fairly well uh, in the two Saratoga races. Uh, for me, uh, this race came down to uh, it's in the post, who I think it's first run uh, on most of these, and then uh, Ashley Love Sugar, uh, who I think is, is among the most accomplished and just consistently uh, the best, and you know we know has handled the, the course and distance before, and those are the two I'm using. Uh, that's my approach to this race. Uh, how do you see it from a pick four player's perspective? Well, real quick, isn't it the grade one Del Mar Oaks that's the second of the Del Mar races in the sequence? Did I read it I wrong? I don't or? believe uh, you. Well, I, I couldn't I'm find PP. They were together. so. I'm looking at the Naira.com press release, and it says that it's the 
Alabama in the Pacific Classic, as well as the Lake Placid and the Del Mar Oaks, it concludes with. But I, uh, I'm more than happy to discuss the Del Mar Handicap and then you know, the Del Mar Oaks if you want. Um, I, I guess what threw me off is the, the Del Mar Oaks is two races later at 945. I would have, I would have thought they no. would have not, not tied the money up, but um, no, that's I my agree. fault. Thank you. Yeah, no, I agree. That's why I double-checked it. But regardless, um, I, I'm a little more wide open in the Del Mar Handicap, um, which is still a very, very good betting race. In fact, one of the better betting races of the day. Um, I agree that it's in the post is the most likely winner, perhaps. Um, has had two rough trips, uh, both in the Charlie Whittingham and the United Nations at relatively short prices, where uh, in the Whittingham um, – he was wide, I, almost an inexcusable wide from Tyler Bays. And then in the United Nations, he got caught up in a speed duel with Arlington Million winner Beach Patrol. I think he sits third in this race off of the uh, off of two long shots um, to his outside, Mr. Rory in prime attraction, and should get first run. Ashley loves Sugar to me. Should get a great trip, but I think he has seen his better days. I think he's... Um, not quite the same horse we've seen in 2017. Last year, he was able to put six races together from June to November, leading up to this race, which was in the middle, which he won by a nose in a really exciting rendition where Metaboss for Phil D'Amato uh, came running late, and he just held on. I don't think Ashley Love Sugar is the same horse this year, so maybe a use underneath, but I'm going to take a shot against. The price horse that I'm most interested in is number one, Liam the Charmer. This horse didn't pick up his feet much in the United Nations at Monmouth, but perhaps the, the ship over or, uh, cross country, um, you know, and being wide, much of that race did him no favors. But if you go two back um, and three back to those mile and a quarter races, which are close to this mile and three distance, he ran extremely well from off the pace, showed that he can get the distance. And in the Charlie Whittingham, he might have been best in a blanket finish where. Um, Ashley Love Sugar got the very best trip you could and was still all out to beat a number of uh, competitors. So Liam the Charmer to me, and I believe 12 to 1 on the morning line is an interesting use um, if you're going in terms of horizontals. And then there's a couple others. Number 7, Flamboyant, hasn't run well over this course, but stretches back out. Expect um, him to run better. Number 9, he will if he can take to the mile and a quarter distance. Um, he's definitely moving up in class, but a horse that's always had talent. He'll be a price. Um, and then number 10 up with the birds might be a horse to include on the back end of trifectas and superfectas at a price. Lacks early speed, but has shown the ability um, to, to finish of late. Um, and perhaps he's sitting on a better race for Phil D'Amato. But, but let me in the charmer, and it's in the post are the two that I'm most interested in, in on top. All right. Well, uh, yeah, not not a part of that pick four, uh, but certainly a part of uh, several multi-race waiters, including the pick six, uh, all three pick threes that would, would touch on it. So uh, Liam the Charmer, uh, certainly uh, something uh, a price that could spice that up, especially if we beat Arrogate. Uh, but we will go on to the Del Mar Oaks, uh, which is, uh, to my eye, a, a much more open race. Uh, then the uh, Del Mar handicap, so certainly a good one to have a part of that pick four and really bust things open if you're able to, to beat Arrogate. Uh, some interesting uh, first-time turf horses in here. 
a couple horses shipping back west after trying the Belmont Oaks. Uh, where did you land? This race was extremely challenging to me and, and, and the most competitive race of, of a very strong day of racing cross country. I had a real hard time, you know, in my daily selections coming up with a top choice winner in this race, but I landed on number 11 Pacific win because of the price. Um, sure, this uh, Curlin Philly only has one win and four starts, but has been competitive in two graded stakes events at Santa Anita. Um, was a little disappointing at one to two last time in a high level optional claimer that also featured uh, the rival number six Meadow Suite, who was, was very game in, in holding off Pacific Wind. But I think Pacific Wind was a little short that day. I think the mile and eight will be fine. While I, you know, really respect the riding of Flavian Pride, getting Corey Nakatani, um, I think Nakatani will have this, from what I'm gathering, will have this Philly closer, a little bit closer to the pace. Um, in the Del Mar Oaks at a mile and an eighth, I think she can get the jump on a lot of her main rivals, and Nakatani can kind of wheel her to the wire. So I think 12 to 1 or 10 to 1 in the morning, and I forget which one. I think that's very fair, but several ways to go. I respect number 12, Bo Call coming back from New York, as you mentioned, one of those. Um, the mile and an eighth uh, fits her well. Outside post, so expecting Joe Talamo to take her. Uh, right to the back and, and come with one late run over a course where the rails will, temporary rails will be down. So it, it definitely plays a lot like a European turf course when that's the case. Um, a couple others to mention, number five, Conte Quartiro, um, ran awesome at Ascot over a good course, came from well out of it, draws Flavian Pratt at seven to two on the line as a favorite. Not crazy about that price, but a horse that I think you must include if you're playing horizontals. Um, and a wild card to consider is number 13, Tap, who really took to the turf, although be it a five furlong turf race where she finished fourth against Lesser, but not the most aggressive ride for Mike Smith. May have been a prep for this race. I think she can really move forward off that, that race at a price. And, you know, I mean, you could really keep going down. There's about eight or nine that could win this race, but those are my top few. Yeah, did I not hear you mention Madam Dance a lot or Vexatious? I did not mention Madam Dance a lot or Vexatious. Madam Dance a lot to me ran huge in the San Clemente. I have concerns about the extra furlong. They kind of used, uh, ran this horse down the hill, suggesting she's a one turn type, and it was a question to me uh, whether the mile would be too far. Um, she did run huge that day, and, and you know, is it, it does have a shot, but. A mile and an eighth at nine to two, I'm going to take my chance against. And Vexatious, I'm just curious, obviously been running against some top uh, fillies, uh, both mostly on the East Coast. Just kind of wondering why it took this long for Drysdale to run her on the turf if he thought that's where she belongs. He usually debuts horses on the turf that belong there. So to me, kind of been lacking the punch to win those races. Loses Kent Sormo, gets Rafael Bayerano, but yeah, I kind of feel like he's hoping for the best on the turf with this one and not really where this one is where he, you know, she belonged from the beginning. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be eager to see what, what Harrington said about that uh, work on the turf, uh, well, last few works on the turf, and, and see if that might give a clue if, if he thinks that's a, a move up. And then as far as Madame Dantelot goes, I like that, you know, she got the job done after breaking slow and having to close. This is a horse that was able to press the pace 
down the hill, so we know she has some early zip. I would expect her to be uh, a lot more forwardly placed here, especially drawn in the, the two-hole, uh, and maybe that's what, what can help mitigate the extra furlong, which, which I agree is, is definitely a negative. But uh, 9 to 2, not a terrible price on a last-out winner against graded stakes, and think Mike get, figures to get a better trip, so um, she'll be on my tickets. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree. I definitely, it's hard to toss Richard Baltus. Uh, not to knock Jamie Terrio, but two for 43 at the meet, not necessarily known for his two-turn turf riding. I think he's going to have to give this horse a perfect trip with speed to the inside and outside. Going to be a tougher spot. He, you know, he kind of came from the outside and, and definitely strong turn of foot in the San Clemente at a big price. Um, the Baltus that I'm a tiny bit more interested in at a price is Kathy Song, who I've seen plenty of over the last couple months at Indiana Grand. Um, obviously faced lesser, but those are pretty good turf horses there. Cha-Cha Magic, Dancing Waves, they're, they're not at this level. But anytime, I mean, Brad Cox's a great trainer, but I've seen Baltus with first-time uh, runners in his barn uh, really move horses forward. And this horse is going to be absolutely forgotten off the, the lower speed figures and um, not really being a known commodity. So I'm I'm tossing her in amongst my spread as well. What about Dream Dancing for you? I know you're, you know, a lot oftentimes on the Mark Cassie runners. Do you give her a shot? Yeah, I mean, cer- certainly a shot. Um, I, I sort of placed her on the, the lower tier. Um only because it just seems like she's she's had some chances now. Granted, La Cornell, New Money, Honey showing up in the in the PPs, uh, you know, certainly gives you reason to to think she can excel with those uh, not here. But uh, you know, the, the Lake George looked like a, a step back. Um, just didn't really have uh, really have it at all. So, uh, but Julian makes makes the trip so you know that certainly augurs well uh for her um he might not mind getting out of saratoga though but uh, to me it's definitely uh you know after the two i mentioned who i do like vexatious uh and the uh the baltus horse um you know she would be on that next tier but there's a bunch on there for me yeah i'm a little concerned that she's just not to, no pun intended, danced a lot of dances this year. She's run six times, hasn't really moved forward. Um, you know, the outside post, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. I ended up leaving her off. Um, but if, if you know, if you're spreading deep, she's a, she's a tough one to, to toss. I, I, ended, I ended up using less than half the field and, and felt like there were there were ones that I prefer that aren't making the ship and whatnot. But I was curious as to your thoughts. So yeah, I mean, uh, not like completely against. Won't be an X, but uh, looking at how competitive these these races are, probably will will be left off mine as well. But um, you know, we'll know where we stand by the Pacific Classic and that late pick for it at Del Mar. So uh, maybe there's some opportunities to use her there, if, if not in the cross-country one. Uh, from grade one, Phillies on turf to grade one, Phillies on dirt. Uh, three-year-olds, Alabama, one of the most prestigious uh, races in the division, certainly, uh, and well-known uh, to fans of the game, and uh, drew, a, drew a great field. I wouldn't say the leader of the division is here with Abel Tosman uh, opting for the Cotillion at Parks in a few weeks, but... Uh, 
you know, any any one of these with a win who, you know, can go on with it and make some noise in the fall uh, certainly would elevate her status uh, in the division. Uh, and for me, that conversation starts with Holy Helena, lightly raced, but won the Canadian Classic against males uh, in the Queen's Plate. Uh, she's probably the one I'm most excited about in the race, but uh, to me, there's several in here uh, with really good looks. Yeah, this is a very tricky race. The mile and a quarter races at Saratoga to me are always tricky. It's a, it's not an easy mile and a quarter. If if there was an easy mile and a quarter, but this certainly is not it. Um, it, it came up strong in terms of, of you know quantity, and I think there's a lot of really nice fillies in here. But I just kept poking holes in, in all of them and really struggled to come up with a solid pick. Um, yeah, but, this is a okay. race. Uh... Uh, yeah, I have a, I mean, I made a pick because that's sort of what we do, but, um, and it's going to be back to the drawing board a little bit because uh, I had handicapped this with the, the Delmar handicap in mind. I was hoping to be able to buy it, um, but that's probably not going to be the case now with the Delmar Oaks, but re really no one in here would shock. I'm in the same boat. There's a, there's a couple, you know, I ended up, I think, using five and I, you know, the, the interesting thing is, you, you know, the ones that have run well on dirt, for the most part, I have serious questions about the mile and a quarter. Um, the ones that have run in a mile and a quarter and proven they can get the distance, you have the surface uh, questions. You know, new money, honey to me, um, a horse that I actually voted for as a two-year-old uh, juvenile Philly champion last year. Um, obviously, in, my, in the minority there, I've, I've always been a fan of this horse and been extremely Impressed with her, obviously, you know, the, the, the new surface is a question mark, but she has proven she can get the distance. Definitely a horse I'll use. Holy Helena, um, you know, I, I, I want to be excited about this horse, but, you know, optics users like we are, you look at her on the plot, she doesn't look very good on there, although she didn't look very good in the queen's plate. Don't like that she didn't switch leads in that race. And then you have the, the concerns on, while she does have a win over the dirt, um, back at May 12th, it was a one-turn win, and it was significantly slower than her two synthetic races. So while she's hard to toss, she's real hard for me to get excited about as one of the, the morning line favorites. Then you have the two that come out of the Mother Goose, the one-turn mile and a 16th race at Belmont. Lockdown to me, I'm not sure the mile and a quarter animal. Unchained Melody, you know, it can, if she can get off easy, in easy, under easy fractions, sure, maybe she could stretch that speed, but... Not a horse that I'm convinced. Then you look at Salty, a horse that I really like that's had trouble, but I'm, I would think that I, I've always thought this horse wanted shorter than what she ran in a mile in a mile and eighth last time. And obviously, giving her a shot at a mile and a quarter in the, in the prestigious race makes sense. But you know, if you put a gun to my head, I ended up on number seven on Elate. I think Bill Moss done a great job with this filly. She continues to move forward. She might have won the coaching club oaks if not for being in tight in a controversial non-takedown against Abel Tasman uh, last month. I think she's moving forward. I think she could um, be one of the ones that has the least issue getting the distance. And then I ended up including the top two in the Delaware Oaks. They're going to be long shots. I, I don't wouldn't necessarily call them likely, most likely winners by any stretch, but at their prices, I thought it's as well an actress were were worth including because of their price. So I'm all over the map in this race. Like you, I would have loved to have been able to buy it. But, um, you know, ultimately, Elate and New Money Honey are probably the two that I'm most excited about. 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, the Derby is, is parsed and discussed uh, ad nauseum to some. And uh, one of the aspects of it is the mile and a quarter distance. And one thing we hear a lot about is uh, the need to have run at a mile and an eighth. Uh, and some of these horses coming into this race uh, have not have not done that. Uh, it's as well being one of them, uh, which was a reason I wanted to not like her. But then I see the 12 to one morning line and I say, well, yeah, $20, $30 horse. Uh, the numbers fit enough that I'm willing to overlook that. Uh, the, of the shortest prices, uh, Unchained Melody uh, has not gone nine furlongs yet, but you know, I, she's such a pace threat. You just hate to sort of see her loping along and you know, you're ripping up tickets when clearly there's an obvious image in, in your mind of how she could win. Uh, the Brian Lynch being on the duck for the meet certainly gives some pause, but, you know, Steve Asmussen broke his uh, losing streak uh, on Whitney Day finally. So, you know, the the big day isn't opposed to that. Um, I did – Holy Helena is the top pick, but the one I struggled with was a late um, who I considered strong for that mantle as well. Um you know, people were saying after her maiden win uh, in, in, in November at Aqueduct that she was as good as Unique Bella, and, you know, it's too bad she got going so late. She would have, you know, after Champagne Room upset the juvenile Phillies, there was a sense that she was one that could go to the immediate top of the division, and that did not materialize. And not only did it not materialize, it burned a lot of money on the way. Um, but seems like the, the ship has been righted, and if, if I were only to use two in here, it would be Holy Helena and Alay. And then after that, like I alluded to earlier, I, I really want to try to get a way to buy it because Mopatism and Actress uh, at big prices and it's as well would not shock me. All solid points. And one thing to mention that you mentioned the, the lack of a mile and an eighth for Unchained Melody not even two terms yet for this Philly. So, you know, that mile and a 16th at Belmont is a one-turn event. So big questions on that, you know. I mean, you have that horse and who and, – and same – well, Lockdown's gone a mile and an eighth twice. And that horse – Lockdown, the more I look, is interesting. Manny Franco's really been riding well of late. But, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, most – I guess most players will probably approach it in a similar fashion, which is not ideal for me. I like to – to zig while others zag in terms of, of of my ticket structures, but just not a strong enough opinion in this race to take a stand. Um, but like you, Elate um, is amongst my top two, and I, I respect Brown enough to make new money, honey, my other. Yeah, and, and uh, I I don't think Unchained Melody will be the favorite, and I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say for sure who will. I actually think it'll be new money, honey, or Elate. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I assume a label get a buy. It's one of those races where, you know, the favorite will probably be kind of where Travis has this three to one, seven to two. I agree. There right. Are some question marks with Unchained Melody, um, as well as the barn being cold, which kind of makes it hard to believe that this horse will be the favorite, uh, other than for the pace advantage. But a hard race for sure to come up with a morning line. I can be quite forgiving on not nailing this one. 
Yeah, w- without a doubt. Uh, I-, I mean, Elite was three to ten on uh, stakes and three-year-old debut, uh, and and in a race that's so wide open, it just seems like she's the type who's going to take money in the wind pool. But I do think a lot of people are spreading, and you know, the more we talk through it, the more I'm sort of convincing myself that maybe this is the spot where uh, I'll just you know, gamble on my opinion and, and be able to go deeper elsewhere when others are, you know, maybe going five, six deep or all. Um, great race for sure, though. Uh, that brings us to the start of it all, the Lake Placid, uh, three-year-old fillies of the grade two variety, uh, not chipping west for the grade one, uh, smaller field, which I guess is what you'd expect. La Cornell, the eight to five favorite, and I'm 100% trying to beat her in this spot. Likewise, sir, I definitely respect La Carnell a lot, but Cassie, three for 55. La Carnell coming back from the fifth place performance at Ascot. You know, I think some of these other ones have caught up to her after being kind of the horse at, at two and early at three. Comes from off the pace in a race that looks relatively paceless. A horse that I certainly will be taking a shot against at anything near eight to five and in my uh, pick four as well. Yeah, I'm eager to see how the board opens up. I mean, I think the line's right. You have to assume she'll be the favorite given what she's accomplished, and she's been bet in those races as well. But uh, her highest first net speed rating, 96, which was in the Jessamine as a two-year-old. Her class rating at Royal Ascot, we don't have speed ratings, but the class ratings do do pretty well. Uh, Europeans to American, not even a top. Uh, you know, to me, we, we've, seen, we've seen how good she is, and it's good. We'd all like to have one like her, but I, I think she's at her ceiling or at least plateaued. Maybe she maintains that level. I don't think that's nearly to what we saw from Uni when third beaten two in the Belmont Oaks. Now gets second Lasix, uh, which Chad Brown is 18%, which granted is less than what he normally does. So some might say, well, that's not good, but it's, a, you know, it, it's in the range of, you know, 18% is fine. Uh, I read Ortiz uh, keeps them out. Lots of like there. She's my top pick and uh, certainly the one I feel strongest about in here. Understandably, I think there's a lot to like about the horse. My concern, um, similar to La Cournot, is the lack of speed in what appears to be a paceless race. I like the second Lasix angle. Also, I was a little bit surprised. I know it was a really tough 11-horse field, but didn't take a ton of money um, in in her first start, although it was in the Belmont Oaks and it was at a mile and a quarter. That could mean two things. That could mean maybe she, she's not what they'd hoped, or it also could mean that she wasn't quite fit for that day and is going to be ready to run a big one. Definitely a use for me. Um, along with number four, Proctor's Ledge, who has been a, a good horse to me, um, used her in a pick five scenario when she broke her maiden at 49 to one and was extremely impressive in the Lake George. But I landed on number two, Party Boat, as the other single on my ticket, an aggressive single, I think, at four to one on the line, but I don't think very few, very many will be singling her. I like the way she looks um, on, on both, uh, I like her third graph sheet, I like her most recent races, and I like the way she looks on the optics EQ plot. I think if Joel Rosario is aggressive, he can make the, make the pace in this race. I think she's been an improving sort for motion, just steady, nice improvement in each start, goes second up, uh, start of the form cycle for motion and Rosario. 
I think she gets to jump on Proctor's ledge this time. I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, it was a totally different race shape in the Lake George when there was a 10-horse field and a lot of other, you know, contention up front. I think from the inside, party boat should send. Hopefully Rosario doesn't, you know, get use his lack of aggression, which happens at times, and, and kind of take a hold. I think he can take has this horse has the speed to make the lead, um, really control the pace and, and hold off Proctor's ledge, uni and La Carnell in the lane. So I'm hoping to kind of spring the minor upset with number two party boat. All right. And she was uh one of the ones uh so to speak for me and I, I stay underneath in that I, I do definitely like uni best, but um, you know, looking at how I'll play the ticket, I think two, four, six or the three I'll I'll have uh, to get through, and then you know depending on what I'm not covered with, uh, I'd be willing to narrow on uni uh, to try to get to other horses and other legs. But um, the, the starting approach is definitely two, four, six in this leg, uh, and then um, you know see what I can cover elsewhere but i know your tickets are up at twin spires i'll put the link uh in the description and had i edited your piece uh as, as i was hoping to i would have known what the sequence was before we started uh shame on me for not looking and i, I was really excited because i thought oh they didn't put the delmar handicap in a pick four uh but now it's in this cross-country pick four right before the pacific classic i thought that's brilliant and then they have another pick four and um, I was too busy being uh, patting myself on the back for uh, <laughs> complimenting that and instead of actually looking at what the, the sequence was. So I'm um, glad we had this chat and uh, the listeners out there got a bonus race. Yeah, and, and it's like you know, like you said, it's a little bit odd that they didn't put the Del Mar handicap in. I, I must have something to do with, with television um, to have that race on first. I'm not sure why I would, you know, I know we were both surprised and others were surprised that it wasn't in that late pick four that Delmar stresses so much. Of course, it's in the pick six, which is a mandatory payout, including the jackpot. It is carried over into today, today being Friday, uh, depending on when you're listening. And it's a challenging full field card at Delmar, obviously on purpose to try to, you know, beef up that, that potential monster uh pick six pool for tomorrow. So it is in that sequence. So hopefully we helped you um, if you're playing that, but uh, just, a, just a wonderful day of racing it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Hopefully we can beat a couple of favorites. If we can beat Arrogate and beat La Coronel, I mean, hopefully we can just sneak through, maybe catch a price in the other, one of the other two races and this thing should actually pay. Yeah, no, it, it could pay, uh, monster number uh just beating arrogate and then you know lot cornell certainly going to be on her share of tickets so uh hopefully uh we'll connect with a, a signer or even better a super signer as, as i sometimes call it uh but regardless uh, a great day of racing awaits and looking forward to getting your perspective on social media and uh your thoughts uh, live at delmar yeah, I'll be there. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, the, the horse player in me certainly wants to beat Arrogate. I kind of hope that Arrogate doesn't, you know, grind out a half-length win. I'll accept it, you know, the $90 that I'm going to invest into this sequence. If Arrogate romps and wins by four or five and we have, you know, and then that San Diego just becomes an outlier and we really get to kind of 
see Arrogate versus Gunrunner in the in the uh, in the Breeders' Cup Classic because to me, if Arrogate fires another dud, I think that's it for him. I think that'll be the last we see of him on the racetrack. Do you agree? I do agree, and uh, you know, I mean, the Pegasus is out there, but there's just there's I mean, Judmont doesn't need the money. Not that they need the stallion fees either, but um, you know, there there'd just be no reason to keep. Uh, exposing him to questioning his his reputation. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping for like you said, uh, you know, blow the doors off him uh, or get beat a nose. But yeah, grinding out like a half length where you're like, eh, it's sort of like Songbird in the Delaware Handicap. Uh, so you know, would definitely be dissatisfying, especially if if you're trying to beat him because then you're like, well. I had the right idea. I mean, you know, two to five, he was the right horse to go against, but so. Sounds like the story of the summer so far. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Well, there's uh, three weeks left. And of course, next week, uh, the Travers, which has that blockbuster card top to bottom. uh, So maybe we'll, we'll get together and uh, figure out some, some plays on Travers day. Sounds good. Look forward to it. All right, Scott Shapiro, everyone. You can find his analysis of Delmar uh, at the link. We have a Delmar Handicapping Reports link in the description. I'll put in his uh, pick four analysis with that as well. Saratoga Reports uh, available for Alabama Day and beyond. Uh, It's been a great summer uh, and expecting even uh, greater racing in, in its final weeks. And it all starts with the Pacific Classic card at Delmar Saturday. Cross-country pick four begins with the Lake Placid at Saratoga. Good luck to everyone playing. We'll talk to you next week for the Travers.